guys, welcome to our Wednesday night journey through John's first letter that we're calling Timeless Truth. Bringing the word tonight is one of our elders here in the house, J.P. Grantham. Uh, he serves here in many capacities to people of all ages, from preaching in children's church to doing jail ministry to juveniles to visiting people in nursing homes and hospitals. Uh, he and his friend Wendell are co-owners of J. Bar W. Construction, and they're a company that does business all over this community. He's married to a lovely woman named Michelle. I had the honor a long time ago of doing their wedding ceremony. Thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago at midnight on, do we remember the date? 2001. December 1st, 12 o'clock, park downtown over the bridge with the lights. December 1st. December 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Thirteen years ago. Wow. Awesome. At the park. It was cool. They had it all decorated for you, too, man. Yes, it was. That's great. That's great. It was awesome. It was awesome. Two of their children go to church here, Lisa and his son, Josh, who recently got married. Several grandchildren. Anyway, JP, come bring us a word, brother. Thank you. Thank you. As I always like to start out with, it's uh, it's always a privilege and an honor to to speak. You know, when I I speak at big church, it's, it's a little bit easier because you're a lot further away. And there's young people and, and people I'm looking over their heads, and it's kind of hard to do here. Y'all are just right here in the face, and and uh, there's really some mighty men of God that go to church here. And uh, I'm very humbled that uh, God has worked in my life, and uh, he uses me. And uh, tonight's lesson, uh, whenever I just picked out a, a night, I said this would be a good night for me to, to speak, and... Uh, then I, I saw the lesson, and I was kind of wishing maybe I'd have gone to another direction. But anyway, I picked it, so I said, you know what, God, we'll just get on with it. And uh, it's uh, the third chapter of 1 John, and I'm going to start at verse 18. I know that was in last week's, but we're going to start there because it, it had a little bit to do with the lesson. And uh, we're just going to start reading to the end of the chapter. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So have a word of prayer here. Lord, I just thank you for uh, this day you blessed us with, and uh, just thank you for the opportunity to speak here and, and to learn from your word. And just thank you that the Holy Spirit here is allowed to, freedom to speak and to touch lives as only you can. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit tonight about condemnation, uh, more specific self-condemnation. And uh, you look up self-condemnation, there's a lot of different meanings, but I found one I really liked. Pretty easy. Uh, Admission that you fail to do or be something you know you should do or be. 
pretty well you know to do good and you just don't do it. Kind of what kind of what summed it up. And I'm gonna start out with a little story about little Johnny and his sister Sally. Anytime you ever hear a story about little Johnny, he's usually in trouble or he's doing something. Well, little Johnny and Sally had gone to uh, grandmother's house, lived out in the country, and uh, they was visiting, and his granddad made him a slingshot. And uh, my dad used to make me slingshots, get a, a willow limb and had a V in it, and he'd get tires and 15 or two tires, cut them up, make me straps, and I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with it. Well, little Johnny was having the same problem. He'd practiced for two days, couldn't hit nothing. And uh, one day he was coming home from the woods and got by the, the tank there by the house, and there was a couple of ducks over there. And of course, he just reared back and shot, and just by the luck of the draw, he hit one of those ducks square in the head and killed it. He couldn't believe he'd done it, and he said, man, I know I'm in trouble. So he went over there, picked it up, took it out in the woods, and buried it out there in the woods and hit it. Well, later that evening, they're sitting eating supper, and uh, they get done eating, and grandmother tells sister, the granddaughter Sally, says, Sally, won't you help with the dishes? And she said, no, that's all right. Johnny said he was going to help with dishes tonight. And he kind of looked at her, and she said, I saw what you did to that duck. <laughs> he went in there and helped with the dishes. Next day, Grandpa was wanting him to go fishing, and he, she said, no, no, no. You said you are going to stay here and help Grandma do the laundry and stuff around the house today so I could go fishing. Remember the duck? <laughs> he said, yeah, you go ahead and go fishing, Sally. That guilt was just eating him up. And this went on for about three or four days. And finally he couldn't take it no more. Just could not take it anymore. He went up to his grandmother and said, Grandma, I'm sorry. I, I can't do this anymore. She, he said, I accidentally killed that duck and Sally seen me do it. I'm sorry I didn't mean to do it. And she said, Johnny, I saw you kill that duck. I know you didn't do it on purpose. I forgave you the minute you done it. I was just waiting for you to get tired of your sister blackmailing you <laughs> and you come to me. And that, and that to me was sets set up pretty much condemnation right there of how Satan can come into our lives little bit at a time and start working a place in where condemnation starts to come into our lives. Uh, in mine, my my walk, it has been past mistakes that, that I made in my life that that I that sometimes I know I, I don't forget about the past because I've learned from it, but sometimes I'll allow it to come in there and guilt will come in. I'm a divorced man. Uh, I didn't always live for the Lord and uh there, there's some guilt there some of the time. And it, it kind of leads me sometimes where the joy that I need to have so that other Christians can see in me, I may not have it. And, I, and, and I'll live, I'll live uh, kind of a defeated life because of that condemnation. And uh, when you start reading that, uh, this, this verse and chapter in here, it gives us some steps that we need to follow so that the condemnation... Then doesn't start affecting our daily walk with the Lord. Because I don't think there's anybody here that can say that at some point in their life or their walk with the Lord, condemnation doesn't come in and doesn't start to have a little bit of effect on you. Should I have witnessed to that person? Should I have uh, told uh, your kids? When you're raising your kids, I had a man tell me one time, said, I never made a mistake once 
and punishing one of my child or, or, or telling them what to do at the time when I made that decision. Now, the next day, I realized I'd made a bad decision, but at the time, it wasn't a bad decision. And I have a lot of condemnation sometimes of the life I led when my son was growing up. But you know what? It was what it was. I can't relive it. And so I have victory over that now. Satan, get behind me. Uh, and in verse 18, the reason I'm bringing this up, one of the ways we conquer uh, condemnation is our love for others. When we start putting others first. You know, the Bible says the two greatest gifts we have or the two great commandments is to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, body, and soul, and to love our neighbors ourselves. And I love the fact that it said neighbor, because it's easy to love you guys in here as my brothers in the Lord. You know, we're all, we're all striving for the same goal. But out there in that real world, there's some people that God put out there for you that that requires extra grace. You know, it, they're just there. There's some people that no matter what you do, you're not going to click. You know, there, there's just a difference there, and it, it, they try your patience some of the time in your ability to reach out and to love them. And a lot of times it might be a customer we're dealing with. It might be a, a builder. Uh, it might have been a customer at Walmart one night when I was a customer there also. You're just... I'm going to give an example. I was, I seen a lady sitting there talking to somebody, and I needed to take an item back. My wife had gave me to take back because I hate going to Walmart. And I thought she was just standing there talking. So I get up there, and there's two ladies waiting. And uh, all of a sudden, this lady comes up and said, Young man, you need to get behind the line. And you know, she must have been a pretty elderly lady because she called me a young man. But <coughs> I said, Excuse me? She said, you know what you did? That line right there, she was waiting in line, and you went and got in front of her. I told her, I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I said, I didn't mean to get in front of her. She wouldn't stop. She said, oh, you know good and well what that was. You thought you were just going to get in front. And she just lit into me. And, and, and I really took it for a little while. And then she, I don't remember how else she said it, and finally I just said, lady, you need to take a chill pill. I said, I don't know what happened to you today, but you're not taking it out on me no more. I'm at the end of the line. Leave me alone. You know? And it was hard to show love to that lady. You know? I don't know if she'd had a bad day, bad life, or whatever, but she was taking it out on me, and I took it for a little while. But there came a point where God said, that's all right, JP. You don't have to take it no more. You know? God gives you that ability to say that. But anyway, it's... uh. And it is also in how we serve others. You know, there used to be some, some guilt and shame when, when when something happens at church and, and, and I have something else planned that, that that's not church-oriented. I said, man, maybe I need to quit this so I can go to the church. Like there was a, there was a lady that needed help moving Sunday afternoon, and, and I always try and go help. But we were having our family Thanksgiving at 3 o'clock. You know, she was needing help moving the food. And her three and two. Anyway, I was sitting there going, man, I, I really need to go help. That's that's what, I, you know, and there was that conflict there. But finally I said, you know what, God doesn't, he wants me to stay here with my family, enjoy our Thanksgiving meal. I'm not going to feel condemned because I didn't go help that lady move. You know, I said, there's other people will be there to help and they'll get it done without me. 
And uh, that's what the Holy Spirit's here for us, to help us lead us on who we serve and, and when we need to serve. And uh, when it comes to service here at the, the church, I'm reminded of what a, uh, a preacher said one time. He said, anytime they need volunteer service work at church, he said, you've always got a green light. He said, if God doesn't want you to do it, he'll put up a red light. And I, I've kind of lived my life according to that. You know, if, it's, if, it, if, it's, if I'm able to be there for service work, I'm going to be there. But if something more important comes up, God said, there's a red light, don't worry about it. You know, because as, as Pastor Allen said one time, I think, church-wide in the nation, 80% of the church doesn't help and 20% does most of the work. Our church isn't like that. We have volunteers all the time that come in and do service work and show their love to other people. And you see that the God working in their lives. Uh, would somebody please read uh, Matthew 5.16? If you got it real quick, read that for me. Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, that, that's one of the ways that, that God helps us. The way that the world sees us is Jesus living, Jesus living through us and the way we reach out and serve other people. I mean, we can read our Bible and we can pray and we can study, but until we put into action what we learn from the Word, it's to no avail. And so the world sees us when we're honest businessmen, when we're... We treat people with love and consideration. That's a, that's the world seeing Jesus through us. Uh, everything we do in life is in His presence. Loving others is doing God's will, and we need to be sure that we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, so that we know when we're supposed to serve. You know, the Holy Spirit's there for us to to listen to. We've just got to know when it's speaking to us and not just us. That's, that's something we have to learn in life. Uh, another way we, we, we uh, defeat condemnation is through God's greatness. You know, it is uh, the more I live my Christian life, the more I realize how everything I've ever did pretty much on my own has turned into a disaster. You know, it's just been... Uh, one mistake right after the other, and according to the world's eyes, I was being successful. Uh, I was managing grocery stores, and uh, I was called J.P. Grantham, good old boy. You know, I paid my child support, but did all the right things, but, boy, you, there wasn't any Christian walk. Because, I read this when I was studying up for this lesson, people that aren't Christians usually really don't have to deal with condemnation. doesn't affect them. But we as Christians, there is some condemnation there. I'm just going to use myself as an example. Uh, when I was growing up, as a very independent, conservative church as we went to, and your, and your Christian walk was based on a lot of what you did not do. It wasn't so much of what you did for the Lord, it's what you did not do so people could see in you that, you know, the 
clothes you wore, the way you wore your hair. <laughs> you didn't have TV in your house. You didn't go to the picture show. That's how they knew you was a Christian. Yeah. Not by your love, but that. Well, through those churches, I saw how that worked out. And I think for a lot of us, I think Brother Greg might agree with this, there comes an age where you kind of go, you know, I'm going to check out of this. This isn't going to work for me. And uh, if I heard this once, I heard it five, I had to hear it 500 times in messages. They'd always preach that verse of uh, the Lord would rather have you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out. And they'd preach it like, if you're going to come to church here, if you're not serving God 100%, we don't want you in them pews. We don't, you don't deserve to be serving God. Well, I always also heard about hypocrites, and I said about 15, I said, well, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So as soon as I get old enough, I'm going to the right. So for about 25 years, I, I did what JP wanted to do. And I'll, I'll be honest, there was not a lot of condemnation. <clears throat> Satan has a way of getting in and clouding your judgment. And you start justifying the things you do. And uh, if this old country boy really stretched the limits of God's grace. I mean, I'm not proud of it, but I did. But it also shows how far his forgiveness goes. And... Uh, He's helped me deal with the, the past. There's no condemnation there. And uh, I, I have to learn to trust in him. Uh, if we read uh, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, how great is the love of our, of the, how great is the love of our Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God else it, it, well, in, as a matter of fact, it's in the whole book of First John one five. It says that your joy may be full. And verses chapter two, verse three, we know that we have come to know Him. You know, God wants us to, as Psalms twenty three says, He wants us to lie down in green pastures. He wants us to walk beside still waters. He doesn't want us living a life of in panic and uncertainty. Of am I pleasing God? Am I in His will? Man, and just worrying all the time. That's not what God wants for us. I was sitting there the other day thinking of how blessed I am. I've got a wife that I love. We went on a cruise, the first one we'd been on in four years, just me and her, you know. I mean, I, I needed that time with my wife. You know, God allows us to enjoy life. You know, I, I have a partner, as Pastor Allen talked about, our, our company. I don't have to worry about our business. It's being taken care of. And uh, when, I, when I was on that uh, cruise, there's a, uh, they had Bill W. meetings every day from 4 to 5. I missed the first two, but the third day I was there, uh, I got to just me and another gentleman showed up for it, and I was talking with him, and uh, I thought that I had done some bad things in life, you know, that I dealt with guilt, and I was talking to him. had six kids. He was from Baltimore. He had two sons. And uh, from 1990 to 2000, he had been clean and sober, and in 2000, he hurt a knee real bad. And uh, he was a addict, you know, recovering alcoholic addict, and 
he discovered uh, hydrocodone. And uh, we won't even go. We won't even go into what that cost. But that that uh, that led to the opiate addiction, and he couldn't afford it. Therefore, that led to heroin addiction. And uh, he managed to get both his sons hooked. Mm. And uh, they got high together. His two sons and him. And uh, he had a son uh, four years ago that was 20 years old, died of a heroin overdose at his brother's house. He was trying to stay clean and sober, and he died. And Boy, there was some guilt there. Then his oldest son, who worked with him, his business partner, uh, up until three years ago, two years ago, they were getting high together on heroin. and They both got clean and, and uh, going to church. Well, the uh, oldest son, he uh, he quit going to church. And uh, whether you believe in meetings or not, that, that's irrelevant. Uh, he quit going to meetings. He said, oh, don't worry about it, Dad. I'm good. I'm good. And he was living in New York. And he got a phone call about uh, a year ago. His oldest son, had, uh, his brother went to wake him up, said so he'd go to work. He had died of an overdose at his brother's house, too. And... Uh, he was, but he didn't. He didn't lose his sobriety. He, he had a pastor that he could talk to. He had a program where he went and talked to people. <clears throat> and I was sitting there, and, and God knew I needed to talk to him. I was there to uplift him. We prayed together, and uh, we wouldn't have been there if I hadn't been on that cruise, listening to God saying, "That's all right. Go on vacation. Enjoy yourself." So just put yourself in position. Where God, listen to that Holy Spirit so God can use you. And I really slept good that night, knowing that, that I had accomplished what God wanted me to do that day. Uh, another one of the reasons that uh, God's greatness uh, is is so wonderful, and, and why this, this passage was wrote to the, to the church, there wasn't a Bible for the first, those, those Christians there, there wasn't a Bible for them to study. You know, the, the New Testament hadn't been read, been wrote to them. They were struggling a lot of times. People would go, well, how could you believe be, be believing in Jesus Christ? They had different religions that they were supposed to be following, and, and they'd start having doubts. But were they doing the right thing? And Paul would write this letter to them and go, listen, you're doing good. There's no condemnation unto them that love the Lord. And uh, if you read uh, John twenty, John ten twenty seven and twenty eight, somebody read that real quick. I didn't have room to write all this down. John chapter ten twenty seven and twenty eight. It says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish. Never shall any man pluck them out of my hand." That's I love that right there. Whether you believe in once saved, always saved, I, I mean, I, I, I leave that all up to other people. As I know that I know that I've been saved by grace through faith, that not works, lest any man should boast it's a gift of God. He's He wants me to have life eternal. He wants me to enjoy life here on earth and not in condemnation. And that, that's what he wants for us. Not to say there won't be hard times, but... You still have to have joy. You still have to have, know that God's greatness is there for you to grasp. He loves you. 
and that is the number one priority in life. When my life turned around, as Pastor Allen's always spoke on in his message about priorities, God's number one, your wife's number two, your kids are number three, your your friends are four, and you're you're down here at the bottom of the list. And that that just really takes hold right there. Uh, and when you start living the life that God has laid out for you to live, it's amazing how things work out. You know? Uh, I, uh, another is our faith is another way that we defeat condemnation. It says, uh, and in his commands to believe in his name, the Son of Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit that he gave us. The the faith that we have, that, that God grants us when we start studying the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And and. The more you read your Bible, the more you put yourself in positions to hear pastors preach, to hear teachers teach, the more the God gives you insight into the Word of God, and that allows your faith to grow and allows you to put it to work. That's how we defeat condemnation, is our faith in God, not that faith that we put in ourselves. And that's not to say you can't find successful people that aren't Christians. But I, I've had business acquaintances that we work with that are highly successful, but they're honest. They do what they say they're going to do. They return phone calls. In other words, they don't even realize that they're living principles according to the Bible, and God is blessing their faithfulness. You know, His Word says it won't come back void. That faith that we re receive when we re Listen to, read the Word of God, and do what it says. It's amazing how much better life can be. Uh, and, and, and as we get into this, God knows me better than I know myself. And uh, I'm sure everyone in here, I, I, I can't speak for all of you, that I, I can read the Bible, I can study, I can pray, I come to church, and I can be doing the things that God tells me to. And there's still days that I have where if it was left up to feelings and the day that I had, I wouldn't be a Christian. Not, not trying to, you know. It, but what I'm saying is you can't base your Christianity on the day that you have. It didn't mean you did things wrong. It didn't mean that, oh, God, what did I do that had this happen to me? No, it just means you're having a bad day. And that's when you just read the Bible and it says, God still loves me. You know, there's, these things happen. And uh, I uh, was, uh, if you, Paul, I, I love reading the books that he wrote because he was another man that tested God's grace. I mean, he, he was a Jew that was going about, he said, if we need to kill him, we'll kill him, we'll put him in jail, do whatever y'all tell me to do. And and uh, I'm sure there was a lot of Christians when God called him to preach, I'll have to say, that kind of went, hello, 
going, what do you mean? You're, you're preaching about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you when you were persecuting Christians. You don't think he had, he had to deal with some condemnation? You know? Uh, he says in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm sitting there going, there's times that Paul's faith, he struggled. This was Paul. Other than Jesus, I can't think of a more mighty man of God. He struggled, you know. But he said, I press on. Those days that go bad when when you come home or your wife comes home and you know right off she's had a bad day because she lays into you. Or that's that's me. I'm not going to speak for all y'all, but I know when my wife's had a bad day because... I may not made the bed right. I might not done this. Why didn't you do this? And I'm kind of thinking, okay, maybe I'm taking this instead of a patient she had or whatever. And and plus she doesn't listen to this. This is men's uh, Bible study on Wednesday night, so therefore I can say this. There won't be any condemnation. But uh, you know, that of being a husband. That's part of living this Christian life. That's part of studying the Bible, of building our walk with God and serving others. Pastor Allen, I've learned so much from him, from him being our pastor about loving your wife. I mean, I thought I'd love my wife. When I married her, I told her, I, I told Pastor Allen, I said, I love her with all my heart, body, and soul. I did. But I've been with her December 1st. It's been 13 years. And through reading the Bible and studying it and listening to Pastor Allen and some lessons I've learned, I've learned to put my wife up here. And uh, she loves me in return. I don't have to try to be a control freak with her. She loves me and does things for me because she loves me. You hear that? My wife does things for me, not because I tell her to, because she loves me. Pastor Allen was talking about the the man and the woman. He held up a big old, big old fire, big old coffee cup that you could have dropped off the Empire State Building that wouldn't have broke. Well, that's men. Then you pick up this fine piece of china, little bitty handle on it. They're both coffee cups. The weaker vessel. The weaker coffee cup. (laughs) But they're both coffee cups. One's beautiful, but not as strong as this one over here. This one's a lot prettier, and in my case, that's that's very true. But by reading this Bible and studying, putting my wife first and loving her the way that, or trying to love her the way Jesus loved the church, your marriage it, it works. It goes good. Not to say that we don't have some very spirited conversations some of the time, and it's usually by me. I'll be told, "Honey, I'm not Wendell." I'm not one of the guys. You don't talk to me that way because I will forget. And I'll start talking to her like, like she's you, Brother Tom. And it, she don't take it. You know, she'll let, she's not embarrassed in telling me. And I realize, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't, I didn't, didn't mean to. And uh, when we start listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what Jesus commands, life is wonderful. And... Uh, I know there was, you could have gone into really a lot of in-depth stuff on this uh, these verses, but uh, I'm pretty much just a pretty simple 
as uh, Leonard Skinner said, I'm a simple man, and uh, I, tr I try to keep it that way because simple can be really in depth, and uh, that, that goes to show how God can use Pastor Allen and Greg and, and Bro. I mean, sometimes when I'm listening to them and Vince, when I hear them start talking about the Bible and the Greek and Hebrew, I have a hard enough time just doing the English in there. So I, you know, and, and God, that's what's amazing about the God we serve, is that if Matthew had just got saved yesterday, he could start reading this Bible, and God can make it where it's understandable for him, where he can understand it. And yet you take Brother Allen that, that's been a Christian now for 50 years and, and knows the Hebrew and the Greek, and he's still learning more and more every day. That's the greatness of God that I was talking about in here. And uh, he allows God to use me. And if God can allow J.P. Grantham to be his servant and to minister to people and to reach out to people with my limited knowledge of the Bible, my limited speaking abilities, just imagine what he can do with you. So uh, I know it wasn't very long tonight. It's only about 35 minutes, but... Uh, uh, I appreciate it. I, I like to keep things uh, short and sweet, condensed, and uh, uh, keep serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we love you. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. If anybody's a doer of the word, I know JP is living a life of doing the word. Uh, your talk reminds me of. Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. So being in Christ, we have no condemnation, but being in Christ leads to not walking after our flesh, but after the Spirit. If we walk after the flesh, then we're not living out the position we have in Christ. And condemnation, which is regret, is going to come about. And uh, that's good. Anybody else have any insight? Can we contrast uh, conviction with mm -hmm. condemnation? Yeah, do that. Yeah. There's, there's uh, you know, it seems, well, for example, uh, I was talking a couple days ago, with, um, Jesus turned around and he said, well, I've not come to condemn the world or to judge the world. <laughs> uh, but then he turns right around and calls some people, you know, whitewashed tombs and some, <laughs> some language to... People today would say, well, you're judging me. It's like, well, I just said that's not what he's doing. So, well, they, they had it coming. He said he they comes to depict the world of sin. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, the condemnation is in the, I think condemnation is more of a judgment. Conviction is a realizing that you're guilty. Um, uh, showing that you're guilty, but condemnation is the the actual pronouncing judgment upon you. He didn't come to pronounce judgment upon the world. He came to convict the world, to show them they are guilty, and to show them the example of what a sinless life can look like and how they're not doing it. Uh, so, yes, he did come to... Uh, in, I think in our, in, in our version, in our vernacular, we would say he did come to condemn them because our, when we use the word condemn, we mean when you convict somebody or tell somebody they're doing something wrong. Because when people say, hey, you're doing wrong, why are you condemning me? Okay? That, 
So we don't exactly use the words the same way that they probably would have used them back then. Uh, uh, so the difference, uh, we, there was a difference between conviction and condemnation. But I think in modern American culture, that those words are interchangeable. Um, so that helps to understand that, that yes, we are to be convicted of sin. We are to realize when we do wrong. We are to feel the weight of, of our actions because we're all going to be judged according to our actions at the end, the good and the bad, the, the, the upright and the... So we're all going to be judged for, for what we do, each according to his works. But we do have the... We don't have the condemnation because with Christ, we have the atonement for our sins. So the condemnation may not be there. The actual judgment pronounce you guilty, alas, I never knew you. But yes, we are supposed to, I don't think it's, in my opinion, healthy to say that we should never feel guilt. Um, because guilt is a reminder of what we've done wrong and not to do it again. Um, when we remember what we've done wrong, um, we avoid it like the plague. We ain't never going to do that again because we know how much it affects us and the people that we did it to. Right. And I, I'm just saying for, for myself, but I don't, I don't see that God was trying to say that that we should be without feelings of guilt in our lives. Guilt should lead us to repentance. Right. There's a, a change, a change in direction. Repentance just means going a different path. Well, it's it, you know, it's written, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit convicts our heart. Of what we should do or we did do, and John three seventeen says that Christ did not come to condemn the world, but to save the whole world. Yep. You know that everyone could be saved through Him, and uh, and people forget the distinctions between being having a, a contrite spirit and a, and a pulling of the Holy Spirit to uh, what is right and what is wrong, and condemnation, which is what occurs when you are when you're judged. And Christ to God doesn't even judge us till the end. So any condemnation that occurs before then can't be from Christ and, and God. Because they've already said when that when their judgment is. And we're not there yet. Right. But so the conviction if we judge ourselves if we condemn ourselves before then we're we're a lot early for that Bench. <laughs> Her down, bench ourselves. That, that, that gavel that comes. Yeah, I think the enemy seeks, <coughs> seeks to condemn us, which, oh, which, yeah. which makes, uh, which if you give into it, it makes you feel hopeless, despair. Right. You want to give up and just, yeah, you know, there's no hope. All yes. hope is gone. But that's right. Uh, and generally, I, I know when it's the Holy Spirit and when it's the enemy. When it's the Holy Spirit, He's got His finger on one thing yep. that needs to change. Whereas the enemy will have his hand on everything in my life that's not perfect. It'll be, it'll be the pit. Is what yeah. It yeah. Yeah. The, the condemnation, the way that you know that it's condemnation is it takes you out of what you already know is your gain. To use the world's vernacular, when you get out of God's game plan, that's condemnation. That begins, you know, it turns into an inward focus. It's questioning your your walk, your motives, all of those things. Once you become inwardly focused, you know that you're dealing with condemnation. You know, so and I, when I say in, inwardly focused, I'm not I'm not talking about reflect uh, reflection that's healthy. I'm talking about 
man, I am jacked up. You know, mm-hmm. when you get to that point, you're done. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the devil. Run, run to the Lord. Yeah.